Canadians and Sandies pacification and placements are active and tracking at this station. Welcome to the Orbital Sword. Please follow me to the reading room. Alright, here we go. In three, two, one. Welcome aboard the Orbital Sword. I'm David Moulton. I'm Scott Herzog. And I'm Jim Arrowwood. And on this episode, we're going to be reviewing Stranger in a Strange Land by Robert Heinlein. Yeah. This is this is uh, this is an interesting one to talk about. So um just a little overview. Um this book is about a Martian. Well, I guess um, we send people to Mars, and they happen to have a baby, and he's the only one to survive. And when the next mission to Mars gets there, 20 years later, they find this child raised on Mars by Martians, who are very different, very docile, but uh, uh, very um, friendly. And they, they send him home. And so the titular character comes home, and it's about the experiences of him acclimating to human society. It's it's got starts off as a commentary on um, cultural differences, and then you have uh, political differences, a look on political political things, and then you look at religious differences, and then you look at I almost want to call uh, cultural evolutionary differences. So, yeah. yeah. Did I miss anything? No, I think that's pretty well summed up the book. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And actually, as I've read, like I did a little bit of reading about this book, and it actually sums up kind of the intent that Heinlein had behind writing it um, to kind of say, well, let's get away from our preconceived disposition about what religion should be like, what society should be like, and voila, Stranger in a Strange Land came out. Right. A little bit of politics in there too, but not not overtly. Not, not overtly. It reminded me a lot of God Emperor Dune. <laughs> Did it ever? But uh, <laughs> I guess more accessible because you don't have to have all that Dune background to uh, understand what's going on here. Yeah. So. Yeah. So uh, where do we go? What's what do we talk about next? Yeah, we'll find, what, what, I guess uh, overall impressions of the book. Uh, anyone want to start? paper scissors shoot (laughs) all right i'll go okay this book is such a huge contrast to the pile of trash we reviewed last time excuse me excuse Uh, me new New york 2042 or whatever it was you can't you can't remember the title (laughs) yeah dare you call it a piece of trash i've purged it as much as i can (laughs) from my brain the next one i'm (laughs) suggesting is by him is 2340 (laughs) so good luck continuation yeah another one by kim stanley robinson (laughs) Um, that I, I did briefly look at one for the next one, but no. really, I did. It was brief. <laughs> Maybe his other books aren't the. I don't, whatever. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> that book was full of tons and tons of exposition that went nowhere. That that just was like, to me, was very uninteresting. Poorly put. Up, they didn't give me a reason to care about it other than he was trying to make a point. Uh, in contrast, this book is also tons and tons of exposition, but it's done. In, in the right way in the, it, it, to me it was like had me interested in what they were saying it was relatable it wasn't um, 
it wasn't uh, what's the word? It wasn't like uh, pompous. Um, he got points across. He also talked about things uh, asides that were interesting that didn't have to do with things but felt natural. Um, because really, this book is about seventy five percent just an old man talking and like dispelling his knowledge to everyone around him. <laughs> well, that's what it felt like. Um, so overall, I enjoyed the book um, for a lot of reasons. As I was reading it, I kept thinking. At the beginning, I was like, oh, you know, I was trying to figure out what was going to happen. And then um, when the religious stuff kicked in, before the religious stuff kicked in, when he just started to talk about religion, I was like, man, this guy hates Catholics. <laughs> and, then, and then by the end, I was like, man, this guy just hates religion. <laughs> Which could might not be true at all, but it just was a very... Um, in some ways, real look at organized religion as where it could go if it was let gone to like craziness, kind of type. Like the like if if you just took up some of the really negative social aspects and just like turned them to the top. Uh, so, anyway, I like the book. All right, Jim, how about you? What what were your thoughts on this uh, this book? You're the one that suggests. Well, I I picked it. And uh, if I could cut my throat, I'd do it right now. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, wh- why? Well, I'll tell you what. The first, this is in five parts. Mm-hmm. The first two parts just reached out and grabbed hold of me. And I just thought, wow, this is pretty cool, you know. And then part three started getting weird and part four got weirder and part five was off the scale. And it was like, oh my gosh, how could I, I, I I barely got it finished. (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. Hmm. Come on, Jim, if I've taught you anything, that's not how you give a bad review. I want to hear ranting. Uh, crying. Well, I'll tell you what. <laughs> I got so gosh darn tired of Jubal and, oh, yeah. and his pon- pontificating constantly. And it's like, okay, we get it. You're really smart. You've got an entire alphabet behind your name. <laughs> so what? Okay, shut up. <laughs> yeah. Um,. Michael, oh gosh, um, I don't know. He just he just went off the deep end. Um, Jill and Patty are weird. Uh, Jubal's employees got weird. Everybody just got good. I'll tell you what. It was a perfect uh, story for the nineteen sixties. <laughs> Absolutely, some Absolutely. of the, it, some of like the, it, the views on women and stuff is just so dated oh yeah well uh, it was very sexist i think i think m would probably blow a gasket (laughs) well yeah i debated whether it was sexist or you're just getting jubal's viewpoint because it was only sexist when jubal talked oh come on you know when go ahead when the women kissed this guy they were having multicolored uh, firework orgasm things <laughs> going on all the time. You know, I'm telling you, it was, it you know, kiss it, me. 
<laughs> it was just absolutely off the wall too much. So I, I, I am glad that I wasn't the only one, Jim. <laughs> so, so here's here's my encounter with this book. I have a vague recollection that I encountered this book about twenty years ago and read it. Um, and uh, when I read it again, I was kind of like, okay. They bring this guy home that is supposedly from Mars. And I had my doubts at the beginning that he was really the actual human that was left there. Like, I was kind of like, is he really the human or is this a Martian plant? And he has this whole experience, has never seen women. And, he, you know, they got through that whole thing and they had to escape from the hospital. And I'm like, oh, this is kind of cool. Where are they going to go with it? Mm-hmm. And after a while, when it, it got really ponderous for me, and I, I, I felt like there were times like, Oh my gosh, how many hours do I have to listen to this book yet before I'm done? <laughs> and then there would be moments where you're like, well, this isn't too bad. And then I kind of see where he's going with it. But I felt like the the book, I felt like the plot of this book was not what it was in, not what it started out to be. What started out as a journey of a man from Mars became an exploration of human nature, which, again, maybe that was the intent from the beginning. And it seems like that when you read about what Heinlein says about it, yes, that's it. But it didn't go anywhere, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, you get a guy he from Mars, he learns about the world around us, and um, and uh, let's see, he, he, he grocks it, right? And and after after grokking the world around us, he says, "You know what? I'll start a religion. I'll become a messiah." And he starts the ultimate Uber Church and uh, gets killed, and thus end a story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so uh, for me, like, hey, listen, if someone were to ask me, should I read this book? The only <laughs> the only reason. I might be able to give it was it's a 1962 Hugo winner and is, is hailed as being one of the classics, but there's no other reason to read it in my opinion. Yeah. I think time has passed this book by. Whoa. Just so you know, Virgin (laughs) Mobiles, there are no virgins in this book, by the way, by the time that Michael's done with them, it's like peace, love. Just kidding. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was like it was like a, a slog fest in Haight Ashbury. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So yeah, I, 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 there there was it was such a crazy drunk jump from him being this creature that didn't understand humanity, uh, didn't like was was kind of exploring the world and I, I was i was enjoying that it seemed like it was going really really slow because uh jubes or whatever the old the old dude was just going on and on and on and droning about like everything nothing was simple everything was really complex and I mean, there were some interesting parts with like the levitation and uh exploring making things disappear and stuff like that right um and then uh it's like one night he Oh, the first time he commits murder uh, and doesn't tell anyone about it. And at that moment, he believes that he's no longer an egg. He's 
turned into a real person, like a, an adult. That's also the night that he has sex. And then from and then the book just makes this huge. They're like, "Oh, we're gonna leave." And then all of a sudden, it's this huge jump, and he's like a traveling ma- magician. Well, he mm-hmm. has uh, to back up. He did commit murder prior to this. Well, no, but this was like all the other ones everyone knew about, and it was like it was there was a threat. And in, th- in this scenario, they went to the church, and the bishop oh, takes yes, the bishop yes, takes yes. them into the other room. They're in there for a while, and. Only Mike, only Mike comes out, yeah. and the other guys go. Like, oh, the bishop yeah. must have gone out the back door, but and inner monologue. We, we don't. Dead. We don't ever hear what they talk about either, do we? No, no. we don't. No. Now, just just so you know, uh, one of the things that Heinlein wrote. I mean, he he wrote this book for about ten years. He plotted out in detail, and he said. I was in no hurry to finish it. It was a story that could not be published commercially until the public mores changed. He saw him changing in the 60s and published it and timed it right. So he knew when he wrote yeah. this early 50s that this would not have gone. Um, yeah. But it is funny that now, you know, f- five years ago, seven years ago, a feminist science fiction author, Joe Walton, denounced a book as sexist, smug, and weakly plotted. Oh, it's so... And, yeah. said, and said that she would mm-hmm. not recommend the others read the book. <laughs> so... But so, I mean, you're right. I think Jim's right that it is a book that had I maybe, you know, if the sick, if I were reading this in the 60s, I might experience this book a little bit differently mm-hmm. than what I'm looking at it now in my, you know, in 2017. Right. Yeah. To me, it's like it's like one of those movies. I don't know if you guys have ever seen them. movies. They made mid 60s, late 60s, early 70s where there didn't seem to be any story or any point. It right, just right, followed right. this guy around. Yeah. And, you know, they made they made lots of them like that. You know, art, art, supposedly art movies or something like that. Right. That, that were totally pointless. They, yeah. uh, sci-fi is developing this into a miniseries. I, I gotta say, <laughs> this book had more of a purpose that. than the last one. I, you know... There's you can an, go suck an egg. There's an end, <laughs> there's an end goal and end results. Well, there the wasn't the last one too. No, there was not. There was. <laughs> there wasn't no like world changing thing happened or anything. Sure, it did they had a big storm wreck New York? They re they they retook over the uh, housing. Yeah, but this one like it's like there's they're ready to take this this new like thought pattern to save the world. And then he dies. No, but like after he dies, like Jubes takes over and they they talk about how it's going to branch out, can branch out. Yeah, in about 20 to three years. Three years, yeah, but they have 500 years yeah. to make a difference. Yeah, and then any, everybody drinks Kool-Aid and it's all over. Yeah. Well, it's no, then you, have, then you have the weird, I don't know why, exposition of heaven where for whatever reason there are angels Yet these are the old ones. The Martians are on the same level as the angels. <laughs> like, yeah, they're supposed to be our old ones, but they're angels. I mean, they have halos and and one guy's an archangel, and there are old ones. But at at one point, they're like, oh, um, the Martians are done with him, so like we gotta get ready. He's gonna be a martyr. Yeah, well, it's yeah. no mistake and they named the main character Mike, a oh, Valentine Michael. I mean, yeah. love, and then the Archangel, Archangel, 
you know, Michael, you know, so. Mm-hmm. But it's Smith stands for every man, every <laughs> man, every man. So, but anyway, so those are our introductory thoughts. So where do we go from here? Yeah. Jim, I think it's up to you, man. Yeah. Well, uh, I think we've covered a little bit of some of this. Valentine Michael Smith. We're going to talk about some of the characters. Uh, anything to add? Well, about Michael Smith. Yes. Yeah. You know, I, so one of the things that's great about the way they introduce him and the way he learns is he, he discovers the, the, he becomes the soundboard to show everything that's idiotic about our society, mm-hmm. you know? So as he's learning from Jubal or he's learning from, you know, Jill, um, He's learning stuff that he just really struggles to grok. And um, and as a result, um, you know, he begins to shed light on some of the things that are just inane about our society. Right, right. You know. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's just one of the things about creating a character like that that is thrown into a new world. And you see it in other ways. You reverse that. Humans, you know, land in a new culture. They're trying to learn the new culture. It's the same thing. So the beginning part of this book reminded me of an episode of Farscape. Uh, where oh, totally. You, you, have you watched? Farscape? I watched yeah. the first season and a half. Well, there's there's an episode where he he gets tricked into thinking like some aliens try and make him think that he's home. And, yes, I remember. And in that scenario, one of, like some of the aliens that he's now friends with go back and you experience Earth through their kind of like eyes and their cultural differences. The beginning reminded me a lot of that um, up until he started developing powers and stuff. Um, yeah, I, 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 for me, the character of Michael changes so much in that blink of an eye between those two chapters. Mm-hmm. It's almost like it's, and I, I guess they do regard how he's he's very different, but it's it's so drastic. It was it was very jarring, mm. and and after that point, you almost never really go back to it being like him being so central as he was in the first half. I agree with that. It becomes more about the other characters interacting, right? Like Jubal, them. like like yeah. Jubal actually takes center stage at least in the second half, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or so, Jill. Okay. Well, Jill was like in the first half. Yeah, yeah. Jill yeah. Michael, I liked him at the beginning. And I liked him right up until about the third part of the book um, when he just basically turned himself over to Jill and they started running around all over California. You know, that's a problem right off the, right, right off the bat. And, um, and then he comes, comes back and, and he becomes a cult leader and she's, that, you know, that just went way, way south of where I thought it was going to go. Yeah. No, I Moving agree. Along, how about Jill? How about Jill Boardman? Jillian. I, also, I, I, I almost don't care about her. <laughs> you know, and so, like, he becomes, uh, I mean, she sneaks him out of the hospital and ends up, you know, hooking up with uh, Jubal Harshall, you know, gets him there and is very much a catalyst to getting Mike into Jubal Hershaw's graces. Um, a a Jubal becomes a father in part because of that introduction introduction. And then she becomes Mm -hmm. like Mary, 
of the uh, Catholic Church a little bit toward the end or the mother of this religion. But, you know, I, I kind of, uh, I lose interest in her halfway through the book. The weird thing about her is she had a change just as drastic as Michael did. And and it's... it's Letting go of the social mores. You know, her... Well even, bef- well, even a little bit before that. So, like, I feel like, um, what's, the, what's the guy's name? Robert? Robert? Robert. I feel like he was really good at writing characters, but not character growth. I don't know if that, like, the change in the character. So when it was time for a character to grow or show a difference, it went from being really slow to all of a sudden. So, for instance, for Jill, she kept harping about Ben crying about Ben, gotta save Ben, I'm so, so concerned about Ben, while mothering Mike the whole time. The moment Ben gets back, he's like, let's get married. And she's like, no, there's a problem, Michael. Like, she's fallen, she's fallen for Michael. Right. And well, when just before... Marriage is no more. Marriage is no more in, in this environment. It, it's a, it's a group marriage. They're all married to each other. All they have to do is drink water. Right, but before and before all... that was like established, like before it was before that piece was taking as uh, like before they totally well, heck, they totally grokked <laughs> what was going on. Ben Ben proposed to Jill uh, uh, numerous times. Right, right, many but, many times, and she just didn't want to be married to him. Well, uh, but when whatever he, before reason. he gets saved, she says, "I would marry him." I want. She's talking about how she wants to marry him if he when he comes back, and she's saying and she, she starts saying about how, how like if he would ask me again, like I would definitely say yes. Then he comes back, he asks her, and she's like, "It's complicated." Yeah. <laughs> well, that's because she was under Michael's spell with the multicolored things going on. Yeah. There's, there's an aspect to the story for all the characters that is repeated multiple times that I couldn't help. I was waiting for a reveal from, from about Michael. The idea and the practice of hypnosis. And I was waiting for it to be like Michael gave out a um, hypnotic vibe that kept these people under his spell and that it would eventually get lifted. Well, here it was, you know, a much more uh, psychic link, a higher psychic link than that. But uh, all mm-hmm. throughout the book, he keeps talking about hypnotism and like how easy it is to hypnotize somebody and that kind of stuff. Mm. Yeah. How about Ben? Ben Caxton. You know, I I really like Ben when we first meet him. He's a reporter. He's he's investigating. He. He gets the information from Jill at the beginning about this man from Mars. Um, and then uh, then he kind of tries to see, he, they, they, they air the fake man from Mars. And he tries to get in to see that my man from Mars is showing him, but he's showing the fake one. And then he's kind of arrested, disappears from the scene for, I don't know, a section or two of the book. And they finally rescue him. And, uh, and then he becomes almost peripheral. Um, although for me, he does come in and he becomes the skeptic for the world church and, um, uh, but Jubal's, uh, instruction and his investigation in it kind of falls for it. 
But that's yeah. why, like, so I like Ben initially, but after again, toward the middle, I'm like, I don't know, I, do I, I don't care. He becomes uninteresting because he's becoming like all the other characters joining the church, you know, drinking the Kool-Aid, as Jim so said. <laughs> once once he joins the church he's he's nobody yeah well that and I, and I feel that way about like duke larry you know and miriam dorcas you know there's just everyone once he joined the church to become they lose identity yeah for me yeah i agree mm. um you know that's interesting because it seems like they all do i they, liked ben i i liked him a lot uh he was the most normal character in the whole book you know, in the beginning, yeah, for sure. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, all all the way up until he was throwing up all these red flags about the uh, the church, and then uh, Jubal's like, "Hey, like, look into it more." And yeah, if you can't beat him, join him. <laughs> although I got, I mean, all these people became mesmerized by this thing, but it's like hypothetically, if that was a true thing, like. Obviously, that's what would happen. I mean, yeah. if it was real, I mean, it would seem really wrong, but all of those benefits seem right. Right. You know? Yeah. Mm. How about Jubal Hershaw? See, now, for me, after we meet him, and he is probably... He, okay, so... He's a flat character for me in that when we meet him, he's kind of the same character at the beginning as he is at the end. He doesn't really change mm -hmm. too much. However, he's also for me one of the most interesting because of how he talks. Even, even the sexist language that dates him a bit, um, his views and perspectives and willingness to consider something that's a little bit out of his comfort zone yeah, uh, his resistant to being called father of the church. Um, Michael still looks up to him kind of as a father figure at the very end. Um, he was one of the more interesting characters long term, like throughout the book. Toward the end, he was the one I cared about. Mm -hmm. I didn't care about uh, you know Michael. I didn't care about Ben, Jill, but I cared about Jubal Hershaw. Mm. Plus, he's from Pennsylvania, just about <laughs> an hour away. My my ah. thoughts on on Jubal were. In this book, you think it's going to be a fish-out-of-water book. It starts off as a fish-out-of-water book. So many books are fish-out-of-water books. But instead, the author chooses to show the story through an unchangeable subject. And the juxtaposition of everything around him changing. And I found that really interesting. To see this character steadfast through all this change. Accept it, but still maintain himself as much as he could up till the end. He kind of took the Kool-Aid, but... Uh, he didn't really <laughs> drink it, though. He drank Michael. Well, he, he had done that way a bit. And they, were, they talk about how... No, but no. Oh, you mean at the end when they... At the end, they literally drink Michael. Yeah, yeah, yeah we know. Yeah. Uh, but. So, I mean, I, I, I did get bored of all of his jibber-jabber, but then there were some parts where he was really cool, like when he was doing his lawyer stuff. And oh, he was kind of funny. The tricks, yeah, yeah. it was funny. Um, you know, the way he treated the women was socially not not great, but... Uh, Especially for today's day and age. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah. yeah. What did you think, Jim, of Jubal? 
I thought he was a p- pontificating ass. <laughs> <laughs> but that made him interesting. Uh, I think I think that he's extremely intelligent, and he wants everybody to know it. Um, uh, he's tiresome, and he he never he never ceases to remind you. Oh, I'm a doctor. I'm a lawyer. I'm old. You know. He's always got to. He's always got to talk about that stuff, and I think he's a bit conceited. Uh, probably all those things are probably true. Which, by the way, just as an FYI, a little bit of trivia here: Jubal Hershaw appears in three other novels by Heinlein. Is it the same guy? Same guy. He appears in The Number of the Beast in 1980, The Cat Who Walked Through Walls, and To Sail Beyond the Sunset. Same character. Yeah, this is the book he wrote after the cat who walked. No, no, no. This one came first. He didn't appear for another twenty years in a book. Oh, really? So, okay. Because this book came out in sixty-two, and these were later books. Ah, so in other words, he got rejuvenated by Michael and made younger again. Apparently, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know what his. I don't know what his roles are in these books, but yeah, I've got a couple of other characters, but they're they're kind of. Inconsequential Secretary General Douglas. Yeah. Who you know, he, he tried to get in there first and and take Michael over, but it didn't work out very well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then there was Patty. So Yeah, the yeah. I didn't get her character at all. But when the she's, tattooed lady? Yeah, she's trying to evangel- evangelize to them, right? And they turn it around and evangelize to her. And I don't, like, this whole sharing of water thing is, is like is like marriage, right? Yes. Right, it's a group marriage. And if she's, like, trying to convince them to do something that they're not going to do, that they don't want to do. Right. And, and then Jill's just like, hey, get some water, Michael. Let's drink water. <laughs> it's like why like she gave me such horribly bad vibes of like betrayal and it wasn't until further down the road where it was obvious she would had like taken really into what michael was saying but, but see what michael did didn't denounce fosterism fosteritism or whatever it's right. called they did kind yeah. of it was all in con- it was like something separate and beyond like you'd be muslim and fosterite you'd be <laughs> this church and be a foster you know whatever it was so it was, uh, or to be whatever the religion was. Um, yeah, the Fosterites found, uh, were... Go ahead. Go ahead. The Fosterites were pretty interesting in themselves. They had a mariachi band and a bowling alley and a bar and, and a casino. Uh, or, or yep. arcade and casino and all this. Yeah. <laughs> hey. That was an, that's an interesting church. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We know what, 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 what I kept coming back to with Patty was any time you encountered her, you encountered her with snakes, right? Yeah. And not only her tattoos, but these snakes. And it kept pushing the illusion, the Garden of Eden illusion of the fall of man, and that these snakes were now a central part of a positive part of the religious ceremony. And I think that was intentional on Heinlein's part. Mm -hmm. He was really pushing that image to say, the snake here is not evil. It's not bad, you know. So, 
So I I kept thinking of that because like every time it was, especially later on, whether it becomes part of the church and they're caring for the babies and whatever it is, you know what? Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, nothing else. A um, little bit. Uh, it was interesting to see the way they played astrology into it to kind of bring that branch into stuff. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But we got that through what Al- uh, not Alice Douglas, I guess. That was uh, Joe mm-hmm. Douglas's wife initially, and then whoever the lady was that was the uh, I forget her name, the actual astrologist. But April, I don't know. yeah, April Something sounds like right. So yeah, let's talk about how. They make his palace seem like such a paradise. And then all of a sudden, I realized it was in Pennsylvania. And I was like, who do they think they're kidding? It is in the Poconos. We have the worst summers. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Wait, wait, wait. Poconos in the 60s. Uh, Yeah, okay. The Poconos in the 50s and the 60s for Jim and for those listeners who don't know Pennsylvania, the Poconos was like the quintessential place that you went. If you wanted to vacation nearby, I mean, there were multi-million dollar homes and resorts in the Poconos. Now you can go there for like a song, but, and all the, um, all the, all the big acts like Burns and Allen and all those, all those vaudeville people. Yep. They did their summers. In the Poconos, of course. That's how they made their how they made their living. So it makes sense that this was set in the Poconos in this time period. Now I'm like, hey, that's cool. Poconos, right back door, two hours away. Bring it. But yeah. it's just, it's not. You're right. Now you look at the Poconos seriously, and uh, you know, yeah. But Pennsylvania summers in general, seriously. <laughs> but, but, but in the mountains, in yeah. The mountains, okay. well, it, yeah. It is true. a little bit cooler in the cooler. mountains. Yeah. But mm-hmm. but anyways, so uh, what are we on? Like favorite moments, scenes? Uh, well, we still have um, some things and organizations to go over. Okay, what organizations do we need to go over? Uh, let's talk about let's talk about things for a second. Uh, how about like fair fair witness idea? A fair witness, yeah, where you witness you... something, and, but you can't you well, don't comment on it. Well, like the whole idea of these like mentat. Yeah, people. very much. I did yeah. think mentat. Yeah, but like they're they can switch in and out of it, right? I thought that was a really cool aspect. Uh, I I I saw more as truth sayers. Yeah, well, that's true too. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, they only spoke exactly what they saw and observed, but they were they were able to retain it with like complete and total. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that was kind of that was that was interesting. Yeah. Uh, Let's talk about while we're talking about things. Let's talk about Michael's powers. Oh yeah, how do you think about his powers? Well, they didn't view it as being. They use it as a part of the natural evolution of humanity. Mm-hmm. That all humans could do this, right? So, it wasn't power like magic, but it was just a power that he had gained from being Martian. Yeah. It was just from opening his mind to a certain level, he could... Uh, he could grok it. He could grok. <laughs> there's, a whole, there's a whole thing, and I don't know what culture... I can't remember if it's... Um, if it's like a Chinese or if it's an Asian thing, or if it's a if it's an uh, Indian thing, either Buddhist or Native American type, uh, or Middle Eastern Indian, or... But this idea of knowing things... And once you know th- something, like, then you have control over it. 
in a sense. And oh, that was that, the whole... wait a minute. That's a shapeshifters on DS9. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, Odo, Odo had to take the shape of things to know things. Go ahead. Oh, I'm done. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, the, it made me think of Doctor Strange. Because Doctor Strange, you, you know, they're the physical body is capable so much more than what we limited it to. Yeah. In some ways. But so I you know, I you know I uh the powers, yeah. I thought they were interesting, especially yeah. when he was like developing them. Yeah. Um and then I like the growth of the way that he just began to use them very, very, very casually. Right. Uh well initially he uses them to kind of preserve himself. Right. That it becomes more than that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and there was that idea then to also where he would detect wrongness in something and make it go away. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. But not everything that he detected as being wrong was actually wrong. Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. That's a little scary for one person to have that kind of power. Yeah. Well, yeah. You. Uh... Thankfully, he had Jill and Jubal to help him with that. Well, I mean, you see what happens when he killed the, the bishop, yeah, or whatever. And then even later on, like it's it goes. It's an idea of like is man inherently if they're evil, are they inherently evil? Because now, how many cops did he kill? Yeah, well, exactly. Right. Exactly. He just he just incorporated him back to the beginning of the line, as he says at one point. Well, that's the whole weird idea of like, okay, there's this elder idea, but then there's also a reincarnation. Thing right, going on, right. So where does that like? Yeah. Sense. So, well, it's a blending of all things. He 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 wasn't trying to make a point. He was trying to bust us out of our preconceived ideas of religion, society, money, marital structure, right? Jealousy, love, hate. Right. Were you taken off guard, either of you, by all of a sudden having this subplot of? Uh, the old ones with the bishop becoming an arc he's an archangel uh, I wasn't me. sure what, yeah I wasn't, I wasn't sure what to think of that well you know it, it reminds you you know you, there's some things that are just placed in here you're like okay I'm not sure why this person is in here because it just comes out of nowhere a little bit mm-hmm. yeah yeah so I hear I hear that so yeah. I thought it was, uh, I was like, what's the point of this? Like, why? This is so weird. And it didn't really pay off to the very, very end where Mike comes in, now an old one in heaven with a halo, taking over for the previous dude. And the guy that he kills is his underling. But because I guess the state of like oneness or whatever, the guy's like, have we met? I don't think so. Like, they don't remember their... Right. Lives. Right. So. Yeah. 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 Well, mm. the, you know, we talk about other things. Um, Highland's vision of like uh, his ability to do voice and video calls back in the early sixties. Mm-hmm. It's kind of interesting. Yeah. Uh, his idea for a waterbed that wow. actually was made eight years later. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Partially came from ideas by Highland. Huh. Huh. But so, I mean, I I mean, there was some innovation, the flying cars and taxis and, you know, he attempts to paint a future. Yeah. Like that. So. So what do you guys think of 
uh, Michael's establishment, the Church of All Worlds. Well, I guess, like I was saying earlier, like if it was if it was really real. Oh, it's real. If it was, they developed a church because of this book. <laughs> if those it exists in, as a five hundred one c three in California, <laughs> so David, if you want to join, if you want to join, you can go share your water, live a polygamous life, and have a great time. Enjoy. Can we? I can yeah. still Skype in though, right? You can still Skype. In. <laughs> Just make sure that you just... dress before you leave the premise. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, I can see David naked full of tattoos. Well, I well, can see me naked. I don't want that. <laughs> oh, Carry, carrying around a boa. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, uh, if it was, if it was like in this reality that, that he sets up, if this was a real thing, I wouldn't be all for it. I mean, it's like it, it's there's too much of it that's like the next step of like humanity that there's too much of it that's true i guess is what i'm saying like he doesn't say that the other because it's not a religion because the other he doesn't denounce the other religions but it's a new thought pattern uh evolutionary thought pattern for humanity opening you to eternal life opening you to uh extended physical life levitation teleportation uh, you know, uh, how to make things disappear, like all of these things, like the, the, why wouldn't you sign up? Right. Like it's not, there's, there's no negative aspect. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's interesting. Hmm. That's I for mean, sure. yeah, it's not, I mean, well, all of those things would have to be real. Otherwise <laughs> it would be just a cult. I would have to disagree because if if you are saying that who wouldn't join up because there's no negative here, then why did the place get firebombed and why did Smith get uh, stoned to death? Well, because he's fighting against societal norms. Yeah. People that don't conform to societal norms, they, they're branded as being... Well, heretics or being, uh, you know, apolitical terrorists—you name it. You don't, you don't conform to the way society thinks. We, we have all sorts of labels for people like that, right? And, uh, and uh, it's no different here. I mean, I mean, in that, in that way, this, this, this novel is very relevant because we do that to social groups and dispossessed groups all the time. Yeah, but, no, yeah, nobody... but on, on, on the other side of that, what would we look like? As a society, if we did not have laws, oh yeah, if every if everybody could just do whatever they wanted to do, well, but if Michael's without... case, Michael's case, if you take away like j- jealousy, hate, and greed, then why do you need laws? Everyone just kind of gets well, along. yeah. When you look at the and Martian that, society, I mean, that's like the end that goal. That works. That works, of course, as long as you have him as your object of worship well i think the i think the idea of the whole thing is that he's not the object of worship that you yourself become the object of worship yeah because you are god and everyone around you also becomes we should have started the episode with david you are god you are god drink my brother yes you are god jim jim you are god You may, not rock it. you may not rock it. You may not rock it yet, but you will. You 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 are God. 
I seriously doubt I'll ever grok that. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. For that I, matter, I, right? I grok Spock. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, my. So uh, where does that leave us here? I, let, let, let's talk about some favorite moments we've had in the book. I mean, uh, any any moments in particular that stuck out to you as being things that you really liked? Like, we dialogued a lot about the philosophy, the characters, and stuff mm-hmm. like that, but... Go ahead, Jim. Take the lead. Okay, I, I really enjoyed breaking him out of the hospital. That I think was my favorite part of the that. Whole was thing. cool. I liked that a lot. Yeah, the the way they arranged that and everything. I, beyond that, I can't think of a heck of a lot. <laughs> One of my favorite scenes was when they figure out that Michael is a Jubal's, and they come to arrest him. And they tell Michael, go hide the bottom of the pool. And then they land on Jubal's precious rose bushes. And he tells oh, him to yeah. move. And then Michael has this out-of-body experience and says, well, wait, when they draw a gun, they're bad. And so he makes them disappear. And Jubal knows, but no one else really knows what happens to them. And and it's just kind of a fun, that's the entire scene, the way it played out, I found humorous, fun, Um I was kind of anticipating it and waiting to see what would happen. Um, and then they get the second set. And by the time the second set arrives, he's had a call to Douglas, who apparently doesn't know what his underlings are doing. But that that whole scene, that whole scene, the setup and everything, I really did enjoy. Yeah, and I have to agree. You get, you get uh, new abilities in that scene. Oh, yeah. And you get payoff for things you didn't understand, like why the murky water. Right. You find out why he kept the pool murky to hide Michael. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I, so I, I did like that part. Um, I, I really liked the uh, the scene uh, where they meet with the head of the world and the way Jubal kind of tricks everyone to acknowledging something so that he can then say this is ridiculous and you shouldn't acknowledge it. Uh, he makes them think that treat Michael the king of a world, and then he's like, "Well, that's just a, that's just a stupid idea. Like, why would you think that? Uh, just so that it can prove how ridiculous it is." And uh, mm-hmm. I I just like the way that he he did all that because they were kind of, at that point they were kind of getting to the point where the characters weren't necessarily lying anymore, and it was like, how can they do trickery without the characters? Or if they did lie, the whole thing was that they couldn't lie about Michael where anyone could ask him a question because Michael wouldn't lie anywhere. He would answer and blow the whole thing. So I thought that was cool. Yeah. I, it, when I, the ironic part of that is that Michael does become in a sense, the king of this world, at least of the religion, mm-hmm. the religious world in a way leader, equal leader. I think. They yeah. Call probably equally or, uh, you know, the antichrist, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> what are they doing? <laughs> but, all right, let's see where um, we go from here. Well, so we have any other scenes that, that stick out? I mean, there, was, there wasn't there was much. Again, this was much more dialogue about culture, society, money, uh, sex, um, yeah. everything else, more than it was about plot. Right. So we didn't have... So it really comes down to the themes. And we've right. talked about a lot of them. Yeah. I mean, Michael is a Christ figure. Yep. Right? Um. Uh, power and the corruption of power. 
And you, you kind of see this both political power, you see it religious power with the bishop and the archbishop, and the senator that becomes a bishop, that kind of thing. Um, and then sexuality. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. So uh, why don't we talk about, are we ready for quotes? Uh, if, if you are. I'm ready. So uh, who wants to start? Yeah. David, go. Okay. David, you All are right. up for quotes. I think all of mine are Jubal. And okay. uh, I think that's not surprising since the book is mostly him talking. <laughs> but some of the things I found uh, humorous are kind of that he said it's like, uh, age does not bring wisdom, Ben. But it, age does not bring wisdom, Ben. But it does give perspective. And the saddest sight of all to see is far behind you, temptations you've resisted. And then uh, another one's, sit back down and for God's sake, quit trying to be as nasty as I am. You don't have any as many years of practice as me. And uh, I'm a professional bad example. You can learn a lot by watching me or listening to me, either one. So those, yeah. those are my quotes. Good, good. How about you, uh, Jim? All right, I can jump in here. I, I Even though I complained about Jubal, he still had the best stuff going on in the book. So one thing he said, a government is a living organism. Like every living thing, its prime characteristic is the instinct to survive. You hit it, it fights back. <laughs> Pretty much And then true. Uh, he said he was talking with Jill. She called him doctor, and he says, I don't like to be called doctor, Jill says. Sir? And then Jubal comes back with, oh, I'm not offended. But when they began handing out doctorates, or excuse me, when they began hanging, handing out doctorates for comparative folk dancing and advanced fly fishing, I became too stinking proud to use the title. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Like, yeah. yeah well, that, that was another 60s thing where they were handing out a lot of weird PhDs. <laughs> yeah. Um, Okay, and then uh, the third, a third one I found was on religion. Religion is a null area in the law. A church can do anything any organization can do and has no restrictions. It pays no taxes, need not publish records, is effectively immune to search, inspection, or control, and a church is anything that calls itself a church. Attempts have been made to distinguish between real religions entitled to immunities and cults. It can't be done, short of establishing a state religion, a cure worse than the disease. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. I like that one, too. What do you got, Scott? So I have a couple here. Um, I like this one. He was talking. I think he was talking about art at this one part. Anyone can look at a pretty girl and see a pretty girl. An artist can look at a pretty girl and see the old woman she will become. A better artist can look at an old woman and see the pretty girl she used to be. But a great artist, a master is one, and that's what uh, Rodin was, can look at an old woman, portray her exactly as she is, and force a viewer to see the pretty girl she used to be. And more than that, he can make anyone with the sensitivity of an armadillo uh, or even you see that this lovely young girl is still alive, not old and ugly at all, but simply prisoned inside her ruined body. 
I thought that was such a poetic part yeah. of the book. So, mm-hmm. um, uh, I, I like this quote too. But goodness alone is never enough. A hard, cold wisdom is required for goodness to accomplish good. Goodness without wisdom always accomplishes evil. Mm. Uh, and then jealousy is a disease love is a healthy condition the immature mind often mistakes one for the other or assumes that the greater the love the greater the jealousy in fact they are almost incompatible one emotion hardly leaves room for the other Hmm. so those are at least three quotes there's a lot of quotes i mean jubal was a talker (laughs) what (laughs) exactly i know you're surprised by that but uh i can't remember a single line he said yeah, apparently not. Uh, I also like this one. The slickest way in the world to lie is to tell the right amount of truth at the right time and then shut up. Mm. The right amount of truth. The but, right amount of truth. Yeah. Well, speaking about it, the right amount of truth, let's move into some of our final thoughts. Hey, yeah. Now, this is a little bit This is a little bit different because we're, we're working with a new, uh, a new way of doing things. We need... Five pros and five cons. Five pros and five cons? To this. to this. Okay. So here's what I have. So lead us through it since I, it's new. I've been taking some notes as we've been going. And here's what I have under pro. We can change. Oh, is, this like, is this like the, uh, we all drank the water and we all kind of agree on yeah. these? Yeah. Five things that we can agree on or five things that we, that, that we think we're bad about the book. Okay, and then we and then we'll do our scoring. Oh, we will still do our yeah, scoring. Yeah, yeah. Okay, this got is it. this is beyond it. Got yeah, it. Okay, is, go ahead. It's built. I grok, I grok what you're saying. Okay. Go ahead. Okay, all right. Got it. So under pro, yeah. I have world building. I felt that he was a good world builder. Whether or not story was was he did a good job of uh, creating this believable future. All right. Yeah, I'll buy it. Okay, Jim, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I'd go along with that. Oh, good. So okay. You got that? Good. Number two, I had the fair witnesses down. They were interesting. Yeah, I liked fair witnesses. I liked the fair witnesses. Jim, speak up if uh, you have objections. Uh, no, no. Okay. Three, Mike's powers. Oh, yeah, fascinating. It was great to see mm-hmm. what he could do. Mm-hmm. Four, cool action sequences. No. Well, you had a cool action Very sequence. few. Yeah, yeah, there are few. yeah, so very so few. few, few but cool. But I, but the one that the I one? shared, I really enjoyed. I enjoyed like Jim. Did you were the one that said that breaking him out? I enjoyed the breakout. You know, I mean, so I, everything that's mentioned here, I enjoyed those action sequences, right. which is but, almost all. Of them. Yeah, I mean, there's not much more. Yeah, there weren't a lot, so few no, but yeah. cool actions. Yeah. So we need a fifth thing that we can agree on that we liked about this book. I. I do appreciate the attempt to get us to think outside our societal norms. Okay. So, so like, like I, like he pushed everything that we take for granted in society um, and says, well, let it go. Let's see what happens. Let's bl- let's blow out of this and let's uh, try not to be constrained by it. So I appreciate that attempt. I guess I can agree with that, Jim. Um, I would not want to live in a society that did not have order. No, I agree. 
But I appreciate the attempt to, I don't think he was trying to make a society. I think he was trying to get us just to think. Mm -hmm. Well, if if that was the purpose, then okay. Yeah. What would it be like if I can, I can live with that? Yeah. Because I think that Highland even said he wasn't trying to advocate something. He was just trying to get us to break out and think, you know, what if, or what society, what societal norms do we accept without really thinking about it? Like money, religion, mm-hmm. etc. Okay. Let's move on to the cons. Go ahead. Number one, portrayal of women. I, I agree with that. Yeah. 100%. Number two, abnormal character growth. That might have been more me, but the way that the characters yeah. just seem to change really quickly. Yeah, you know, I kind of go for it. No, we don't have yeah, to put they, that one. Yeah, we can, they we went off the deep end, a lot of them. Yep. Okay. Number three. Plot. 80% of book is exposition. I agree. That's the same one. Same yeah. Thing. Yep. I agree. Okay. And you thought the plot of New York 21. I'm just saying. Dude, I... So stop. <laughs> Keep going or we're going to get sidetracked. Number four. Jim does not grok book. So that's negative. <laughs> he does not grok? He does not grok. He book. doesn't grok. Jim does not grok the book. He needs to... I, do, Jim, I disagree. He, he needs I to disagree. grok Martian. If he drops Martian, he will grok this book. I just put that in because I, I hadn't come up with a fourth one. I understand the freaking book. <laughs> I, don't, I don't agree with it. <laughs> okay, so we need two more... We need two more... Notable cons. Cons. Yeah. Things. Things that con- you would say Jim. Is- Jim suggested this book. <laughs> That's my fourth con. Okay. No. Uh, number I'll five is that. just con. I know, I'm, yeah, I'm with you, man. No, it's like con. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So, um, I you know, the pacing. There, there was, it was slow at points. I would say that the pacing for me, I mean, it's okay. not that it doesn't traverse time, mm-hmm. but it's just, it didn't, there was nothing, there was no action. There was nothing propelling this forward except, well, he's going to grok love. He's going to laugh. Uh, who's he going to shack up with next? And, uh, yeah. you know, shag, baby. You know, it's just, yeah. it was one of those things. Which is a good fifth one, over-sexualization. Mm-hmm. He wasn't ex- he wasn't overly explicit. Oh, that's true. Exactly. But there was tons it, of it. There was tons of it. It was but it but was it implied. Really... Yes. It was implied, implied damn near yeah. through the whole book. Yeah, absolutely. So how would we comment that? Fortunately, we were spared the uh, graphic details. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So so con, no graphic details. No graphic details. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I I might have been more engaged in the book if no I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> uh, ouch. Yeah. No. Right, so we'll just I, I don't know. I don't know. Question mark slash. Uh, <laughs> eight, 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 yeah. Can we rate the book now? Yeah, let's rate the book. What are we rating this? Out All of right. Five? So we rate out of ten. Out of ten. All right, and we'll each give we each give our rating for each one, and then I will give the average for each one okay. for each of our five categories. Can categories. you can you remind me? Are we are we going to do gonna like go are we, we going to do the categories one category and then the next category? Yeah. Is that what we're going to do? Yes. What's the first category? Plot. 
two. Two. Okay. Jim, what's yours? Jim? You know, this is out of ten. Yes. Yeah. Oh, wait. Out of ten? Yeah. Uh, maybe a three. Okay. I give it a three. I was thinking five. I would say four. You? And I'm going to give it... Uh, I'll give it a six. All right. Very good. So our total is a three. All right. <laughs> Make a lot of noise. I know. <laughs> I'm upset by this. Go okay, ahead. themes. What themes. do you think of the themes? Uh, uh, a seven. Okay. Jim. Yeah, six. Six. I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a um, an eight because they're strong, they're clear, and uh, mm-hmm. there's no question about them. Yep. And that gives us seven. It should a seven. Yep. Next. Okay. Character development. Character development. Uh, five. You know, he started the characters out strong, and then after a while, I just didn't care about him. And I feel like there's something wrong about that. Okay. Five. Jim. Yeah, same thing. I was thinking the same thing. The characters, I'd, I'd give them a five. They they were very strong and then kind of tapered off and others came into prominence. Okay. I'm going to so. give it a four because um, I thought that the changes were very sudden. And uh, yeah, I didn't like that. So it gives us 2.5. 2.5? I should. I should be right. Because we, like, we, yeah. we had two fives. You were four. It should be like 4.65. Readability. Take your, shoes, take your shoes off, David, so you can count. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I got a calculator here. I'm doing my... I'm doing uh, readability? Yeah. Was it easy to read? Was it convoluted? Uh, it was... I, I understood it. And, yeah. But it wasn't like... Like there were times I'm like, how much longer do I have to read this book? Well, so this, like, is, this is more like, is it approachable? From a, a four. Okay, Jim. Uh, I'd have to give it a seven, and I'm taking away three because of those because of uh, Jubal's long-winded pontifications, and. Yeah. Uh, and, and the times that my mind wandered. Otherwise, I didn't have any trouble reading it. Well, I didn't have any trouble reading it. It was just like, um, did I want to read it? <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I'm also going to give it uh, a seven because uh, I found it very approachable for what it was. Um, there were no points where I felt like it was too heady or anything like that, like um, that it would fly over anyone's head or anything, so... Mm-hmm. I'll give it a seven. All right. How recommendable is this book? Would you recommend this book to someone? I give it a three. And uh, the only reason I would give it a three and like giving me, like I'm not giving it a one, like I wouldn't recommend it. You need to read this book. If you're going to, if you are a lover of classic science fiction and you want to read um, stuff that has, that you consider quintessential science fiction, 
This won the Hugo Award in 62, as I said before. It's hailed by the Library of Congress as being one of the 80 books that has influenced America. You have to read this book if you're going to consider yourself an aficionado of science fiction. That being said, um, if you are just a lover of science fiction, don't read this book. Okay. Jim? Um, hmm. Yeah, I'm going to agree with that score, a three. I would not recommend this to anybody under the age of 30. Yeah, I agree with you on that. The thing is, as I was, like, when I finished it, I was like, there's literally no one I would recommend this book to. No one, having read this, I would say, you've got to read Stranger in Strange Lands. However, I didn't dislike the book. So, I'm going to go with But I, I, I agree. I agree with Scott. I agree with Scott that if you are going to claim to be a sci-fi fan of of literature, that you do need to read the important works. And this was obviously considered an important work, whether you like it or not. Yeah. Okay. All right. Just a second. We'll have our total here. Gets an overall. Oh, we'll have to add it together. Dude, he's pulling off his shoes, Jim. I know, I know. Socks are going. Lord help us. It's a 4.36. If you were a true mentat, you'd have that faster. I was... You know what we need is Jim playing loot music and you'd have done much better. It's true. That's true. You thought we were going to uh, get away with an episode with not mentioning I, loot. You know, I pre-planned my loot comment, and then it just never came up. Yeah, well, I thought we were going to talk about Grok a lot more, yeah. and the word, and I was going to speak, it's funny, because Grok is the same as the way that Jim uses loot. Yeah. So I don't Grok how he plays loot so well. I don't loot it either. Oh. <laughs> 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 So, all right. Well, next time on the show, we're going to be reading Eldest. And this is the second book in the Inheritance series. We read Aragon a few months ago. And now we're going to be reading book two. My son wants to be in the show. Really? He should record one. a thing that we'll play on. We will record a thing. Yeah. We'll make a feedback yeah. thing. Yep. Yeah. And um, as far as from there... We're finally launching our poll on the website, so please go to orbitalsword.com, go to our voting page, and vote on which of the three books you'd like to hear us review after Eldest. Yeah, so do we know what they are off the bat so we can tell people here? Um, right now, it's going to be uh, Fahrenheit 50, or 41. 451. 451. And um, what was the one you wanted to do? Uh, the Sword of Shannara. Okay, and then Brissinger, book three. Book uh, three. All right. Of, uh, inheritance. All right. So Sounds good. Cool. We will uh, see you guys all next time. So, once again, thank you for joining us on the Orbital Sword. I'm David Moulton. And I am Scott Herzog. And I am Jim Arrowwood. And join us next time on board the Orbital Sword. <laughs>